Why don't we stand and read the scripture together? Wrong scripture. But that's a great scripture. Is there any scripture that's wrong? I mean, I, it's like I've, I've said a bunch of times over the, I don't know how many hundreds of years I've been doing this. Um, I, I've said this is, this is like a great scripture, and that just infers that the rest of them aren't. But anyway, that's, they're all good. They're all good. So there's some that are more troubling than others, but they're all good, right? So let's read together. I know I distressed you greatly with my letter. Although I felt awful at the time, I don't feel at all bad now that I see how it turned out. The letter upset you, but only for a while. Now I'm glad, not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God, not to drive you from him. The result was all gain, no loss. And then let's read the NIV, the verse 10. Distress that drives us, oh, I'm sorry, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So God, we pray that your spirit would breathe life once again on your words into our spirit that we would come alive to the amazing life you have invited each one of us into. And we open ourselves up, we awaken ourselves to the activity of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness that can only come from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and sit down. It's an interesting scripture, and I intentionally used the message version. This is 2 Corinthians written by the Apostle Paul when he talks about this letter. uh, He's referring to the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, so 1 Corinthians, and he's specifically referring to a situation that happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where he, he Uh, comes strongly against the church in Corinth and confronts them on their kind of loose living and loose way that they were allowing things to happen. Specifically, he refers to a guy that was living uh, and kind of, we would, some of you would call it shacking up with his uh, mother-in-law. And Paul confronts that and just basically says, are you kidding me? that this could go on in the church. But it's into this context, Paul writes a letter and he says, I'm glad that you are distressed because the scripture should at times make us uncomfortable, right? It should convict us. That is one of the the beautiful parts of scripture is that it convicts us, it brings correction in our life, it helps us move into the type of life that God has for it for us and helps us move away uh, from some of the things of life that we maybe have participated in that we need to move away from. Specifically this morning, I want to talk to you for a little bit about 
forgiving yourself. Last week, Claire did a great job, a masterful job of talking about forgiving God. Now, she mentioned technically uh, you really can't forgive God in a technical sense because in order to forgive, there needs to be some sort of sin, and God doesn't sin, so you can't really forgive God for God's sin. But the point she made, which was a beautiful and powerful one, and if you didn't hear it, I would so encourage you to go back as we continue in this 2020 uh, vision series. Go back to last week and start there. Start with forgiving God. In other words, there's things that happen in our lives that sometimes we don't understand why God didn't work in a different way. Perhaps prayers that were unanswered, etc. Great, great way to start. So today, uh, we thought as we continue, we're feeling led to continue in this issue of forgiveness, that it's important that we talk about something that maybe also rarely gets talked about, and that is forgiving yourself. When we talk about forgiveness in the church, most times we talk about forgiving one another. We would contend that that is absolutely important, and it's what we're going to talk about next week. Um, So if you have any people that need to forgive you, you might want to bring them next week so they they would get a little bit more accurately living. (laughs) Um, But we would contend that there's some blocks that perhaps need to happen first in order for us to fully live into forgiving other people. We think it's hard for us to really forgive one another if our relationship with God, first of all, isn't kind of tended to in the realm of forgiveness. And then when it comes to, uh, secondly, forgiving ourselves for some things that maybe we're carrying around that we need to release in our own life. It's rare if you're a pastor, some of you are psychologists, counselors, therapists, social workers, maybe you've heard this, a lot of different professions. It's rare, certainly, uh, I'll just say from a pastor's standpoint, to not have heard, not to have gone very long as a pastor, and to have heard someone ask the question, or make the statement, I know God forgives me, but I cannot forgive myself. Now, I would say that uh, whether you know it or not, uh, you walk in forgiving yourself in some way. You may not be fully aware of it, uh, but it's an important practice in all of our lives, and I want us to be more awake to how important it is. I would say one of the areas of my life that there's a consistent need even to this day, and I'm sure for the rest of my life, to ask forgiveness of myself or for myself in the realm of parenting, that I, I, I have not been a perfect parent. I know that's a shock, especially if any of my kids are in here this morning. I know that's a real shock to them, but I've not been a perfect parent, and parenting for me has been a pursuit, a consistent pursuit, and there's those times where you say, God, forgive me. I, I, I need to forgive myself for, for not being the parent that I want to be. Um, there's been times as a husband that I've had to ask forgiveness of myself for things that I haven't felt like I was as good of a husband as I wanted to be, as a pastor, every area of life, really. But when it comes to this parenting piece, um, I had kind of a place where I got stuck. It was a really hard season in life. It was years ago. Our daughter, Sarah, was about 30 years ago now. Um, that our daughter Sarah had a violent crime committed against her. 
uh, at the church that we came from, from somebody that was in the church. And um, it was one of those things that instantly, as a dad, I had to start wrestling with why wasn't I better at protecting my daughter? Why didn't I do a better job? And I was pretty hard on myself. And it was, it was, it was hard to deal with. A lot of different stuff going on. And to this day, there's days when I have to remind myself, Scott, that isn't yours to carry. You, you, that is not yours to carry. In that situation, uh, obviously the core sin uh, certainly wasn't anything that I did. It was something that somebody else did. But my, I need to forgive myself just for feeling like I wasn't there as a father in the way that I should have been there. And I wrestled with that. And I have to intentionally say to myself at times and think to myself, Scott, you are forgiven for that. For, for stuff that maybe I don't even fully understand what I need to be forgiven of. All I know is my daughter got hurt. All I know that um, she has had to pay a price that I wish she never had to pay in her life, but she's navigating it marvelously and wonderfully. But there's these things that happen in our life. Perhaps in this room there are many who haven't forgiven themselves for maybe not that type of thing, but other things. Perhaps it's been something you have done or are doing or something you haven't done. Perhaps it, that you haven't even thought about the unforgiveness that maybe you're walking in toward yourself and therefore you're living a life that is somewhat hindered, hindered to a certain extent because you have not received the forgiveness that you need to give yourself and then receive the fullness of forgiveness that God has for you. Maybe the unforgiveness in your life toward yourself is because you've left and let important people in your life down. And you know you, d you have and you did. Or perhaps for you, you've engaged in some kind of immoral or unethical behavior. Maybe you've struggled with sexual sin. Things like pornography and fantasies and things that go beyond that, just physical actions that you knew were sin and you know are sin. Perhaps for you, you've been unfaithful in marriage and you've carried around the guilt of that. Even if you've apologized, you still possibly carry around the guilt of that. You've abused others verbally, emotionally, maybe even physically. You've lied as a way of being in the world to make your way. Perhaps you've destroyed someone's career or you've squandered money with poor and foolish choices. Maybe you've made poor decisions. Maybe you've struggled with addictions, and addictions have created a high price tag in your life. And even though you've gone through the process, even if you've paid in any of these ways, if you've kind of paid outwardly, maybe somewhere inside of you, you're carrying around unforgiveness for yourself. And even though the people around you, and even though God has extended forgiveness, you're just having a really hard time letting yourself go that you're holding that. To forgive yourself is to simply let yourself off the hook. As unworthy as you and I are, we need to let ourselves off the hook. 
even as we let others off the hook, which we'll talk about next week. But I want to talk to you about why it's important to forgive yourself. It's important to forgive yourself, first of all, because God forgives you. God desires for you and I to live in fullness. And at the very base of this conversation, at the core of it, is an accepting of the grace that God has for each one of us. Part of my wrestling over the years with different things that have gone on in my own life where I've had to forgive myself for things that I have not lived up to is an understanding of, you know what? God is offering me this overwhelming grace and love. One man put it this way in history, how unhappy is he or she who can forgive himself or herself. John 10.10 puts it this way. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life, Jesus says, and that you would have it abundantly. Jesus goes on to say he's a good shepherd. And what happens to us when we walk in unforgiveness toward ourselves? where we speak things internally over our own life that we're a failure and we could never be forgiven and we hold ourselves to things that God is not holding us to, is we are resisting the grace that is so wonderfully and generously offered to us. See, the absolute center of God's goodness for our life is God's love for us and God's forgiveness toward us. It's God's desire to have a restored relationship with us and that we would have a restored relationship with ourself and then we would be able to have a restored relationship with one another. It's hard for me to be a really forgiving person when I'm not even able to forgive myself. See, we cannot love God, ourself, and our neighbor or one another with our whole heart, our mind, and our strength without being forgiving. It's hard to live in fullness. When Jesus says, I come that you may live to the full and fullness and abundantly, that you would live, I'm a good shepherd, I want you to live the best life that you can live, and then we have this unforgiveness for ourselves, and it hinders us. I find that uh, for most people, we have higher expectations for ourselves than anybody else does. We certainly have higher expectations at times than I think God even has for us. It reminds me of yet, uh, recently I was at a basketball game of our eight-year-old grandson, Lorenzo, and we walked in the gym. I walked in the gym with our da- my daughter, Sarah, and uh, I was watching the other team warm up, and I leaned over to Sarah, and Lorenzo's team's undefeated, and I said, well, this is going to be like a quick work. This team's just watching them warm up. I can see they're just not very talented. You know, here I am just like being critical of the eight-year-old skill, but uh, you know, I'm just thinking, I don't know how exciting this game's even going to be. And I kind of chuckled, and then Sarah's probably thinking, you need to ask forgiveness, Dad, for yourself. Anyway, only, only kidding. She, I, I don't think she thought that, but maybe she did. Anyway, so the game is played, and this one little guy on the other team just, he just was amazing. Played such a tremendous game. Lorenzo's team won the game by one point. 
They haven't had a close game the whole year. Won the game by one point. The game is over, and this little guy that played this amazing game comes over and just falls in a heap and begins to just weep. And he's crying, and he's like, you know, I didn't play good enough, and I didn't do good enough. And I went up to him, and I kneeled down, and I said, I got to tell you, you played an amazing game. That was impressive. And don't you allow anything or anyone to make you feel like you shouldn't hold your head high. That was wonderful, the way you played. But I think that's how we are. I think most of us, we've got this internal critic that's going on and expectations happen and we begin to have expectations beyond the things that others are expecting out of us or God is expecting out of us. And so it is, we hold ourselves to the things that God is trying to release us from and wants us to live into that abundant life that he has. The second thing to pay attention to is that the evil one doesn't want you to be released. The evil one doesn't want to release you. This is the devil's territory, this place of unforgiveness. Even if the unforgiveness or the things that you're holding yourself to aren't real, the enemy loves the fact that we hold ourselves in these places at times. In Revelation chapter 12, starting with verse 10, John says this, he says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony that they did not cling even to their own life in face of death. The accuser of you and me, that thing that holds us in places of unforgiveness for ourselves, that is the business of the enemy in your life. The evil one is trying to hold you in places of lack of freedom and bondage. See, a simple way to determine, one of the ways to determine if you're living into God's desire for your life is to figure out what the evil one's strategy is for your life and then just move in the opposite direction. And this is part of the strategy that you would not forgive yourself for the things that you have done or the things that you have left undone and not let those things go and and allow God to move into those spaces fully and freely. See, the truth about the evil one, the devil loves bondage, guilt, and shame. And forgiving yourself, letting yourself off the hook, doing the business that needs to be done in your life, releases you and I from the handcuffs and the bondage of guilt and shame. Shame is a powerful powerful tool of the enemy. The vast majority, Dr. Kirk Thompson says, the vast majority of the work evil does in the privacy of our own head, in our thoughts, our feelings, in images, and so on. We reinforce the old story the serpent is trying to get us to embrace and believe. We have a phrase, he says, in interpersonal neurobiology that goes something like this. Those things to which we focus our attention, we remember. 
And those things we remember become our anticipated future. In other words, he says, our brain is one big anticipation machine. If my focus is on shame and unforgiveness, my future will be hard-pressed to be filled with goodness, beauty, and joy. See, to be free, we need to free ourselves from that narrative that goes on in our head about unforgiveness, the story that goes on internally, that place where the accuser of not only your comrades, but the accuser of you is trying to hold you to. Had someone really close to us after Claire and I first gave our lives to Christ and we had started doing some ministry things and we had somebody that was really close to us in relationship and they, they were older than us actually and they had spent their early uh, youth years and childhood years growing up in a church setting that was really highly legalistic. And then kind of in their late teenage years got away from even going to church. And for a segment of time, I don't know, 15, 20 years for a segment of time, they were away from even going to church, away from God, had kind of turned their back on on that whole religious experience and their relationship with God. And then had returned when Claire and I were having some conversations with uh, this this guy. And he, he had such a hard time imagining that God could forgive him for the fact that he had gone away. And part of it was his past, the way that he did. He lived into, in his early years, the things that were formed in him. But part of it was just he could not think of releasing himself and forgiving himself that for a segment of his life, he was away from God. Now, the truth about it is, as we all know, it would be better, just like he knew, it would have been better to not go away from God for those years that he did. But he did. And now he was back, and it started a new day for him. And it took a while of just ministering to him and saying, you just have to let that go. Forgive yourself. God forgives you. God, it, it was beyond his imagination that God could accept him back fully into his family. See, what the accuser of comrades does out of that also and was doing in our friend's life was that when we live with an unworthy sense, what it does is it keeps us from participating fully in the kingdom work of God that we're interested in and called to because we feel unworthy to be a part of it. It begins to be a hindrance to us. Who am I to be able to even, who am I to be able to do any kind of thing in church work or in a church community or on a mission field or out in the community? Who am I to do that because I am such a failure? And God would say to all of us, forgive yourself. Let that go. Now as the, as the worship team comes up, there's, there's something that has probably already crossed your minds, um, and it's this issue of false guilt and true guilt. Like when I even tell my story, some of you are saying, well, you don't have anything to be guilty about. There is false guilt. There, there is false guilt, but there, it's still this place where some of us, even if it's false guilt, even in other words, it's not sinful behavior, we're still holding ourselves in that place. And we need to let ourselves go. Now, there's real guilt, right? There's the things that we're truly guilty of. There's sin that we've done that maybe we're holding ourselves to as well. 
that we need to repent to God and then let ourselves be forgiven personally for. But then there's those false issues, those places. For instance, maybe somebody in the room, maybe your parents divorced when you were younger. And some, in some convoluted way, you think that that's your fault, that your parents couldn't make it. That is, that's false guilt. Your parents didn't make it. That is not yours to carry. There's people in the room that somebody abused their power. And by abusing their power, they abused you. And for some crazy reason, at times we think that somehow that could be our fault. It's not our fault when people abuse us. But we still need to let those things go. You don't need to ask for forgiveness for it, but you need to say, that's not mine to carry. I'm gonna let it go. Now as a team, leads us, actually goes into a song. I want you to do something for me. I want you to pay attention to the words and just consider your own life. Consider your whole life. Consider the areas where maybe you have held yourself unforgiven or you've not released yourself. And as the team sings this song, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to minister to those areas of your life. Bring those to mind. And then when the team's done, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to, I'm going to just talk to you about one last piece of this that I think can help us move into the future God has for us. So let's open ourselves to God as the team sings. Something's been
some of us in the room would say, it's just, it's been too long. It's too late for this to change. I would say the truth of those words are so clear and so accurate that years of shame in your life and in my life can be shattered in Jesus' name. Paul Bose said this, he said, forgiveness does not cause your past or does not change your past, but it does enlarge your future. Unforgiveness certainly can feel like you've lost time and I've lost time, but there's no greater time than this moment to be free to be released from anything that you have tried to hold yourself to that is not God's desire for your life. This same apostle that wrote this opening scripture, the apostle Paul, he wrote another scripture about his his own need to forgive himself. Paul, before he was converted, literally was an expert at putting to death Christ followers. It was part of his role, his desire. He talks about it in Philippians chapter 3, for instance. Imagine how he would feel. At one point he says, I was zealous to persecute the church. And at some point, Paul understood he had to, in the midst of feeling terrible and horrible about what he had done in his life, that could not be changed, what had happened in his past, but he had to forgive himself along with accepting the forgiveness that God offered. And this is what Paul says in Philippians He said, Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me. I forget that I've been a persecutor of the church. I've done some horrible things in my life. I forget that. I can't change that. But he says, I strain forward to what lies ahead in my life. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, that is the promise that in an instant, our shame can be lifted as we just ask forgiveness from ourselves. Paul had to do it We all have to do it. So I don't know what it might be for you. I don't know what the details of that may be, but today is just such a great day to start afresh and to receive the forgiveness that you can offer yourself along with the forgiveness that God has already poured out so richly to all of us. 
So if you're here this morning and you would say, I am ready just to forgive myself. I'm ready to release myself from the things that are hindering my life because I hold myself to things that I know God isn't holding me to. If that's you, I just want you to, if you can, just stand right where you're at and I want to pray for you. You can just stand. So God, all around this room, to you and we open ourselves to the forgiveness that we can offer ourselves. we don't want to live in any way hindered to the fullness you have for us we open ourselves to forgiveness we receive it from you and now we offer it to ourselves. So I pray for my friends. And I pray, God, that you would release any heaviness, any burden, any weight that the enemy, the accuser of each and every one of us tries to put on us. And we release any undue burden we put on ourselves refuse to partner with the enemy's voice in our life. And right now, as we stand before you, God, we release shame. We release the shame of things that have happened in our life that we have done, or maybe things that we're ashamed of that we never did. That and we receive grace. We receive mercy. We receive wholeness. We receive infilling. We receive the full provision of the cross. We receive what you've given us, God, through uh, your wondrous love for us. We receive it fully. We receive your care. We receive your comfort. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, as we go into this week, we pray that we will be people that will be aware, all of us, that we will be aware of the activity of the enemy in our life, trying to hold us back. Help us to walk in forgiveness. Help us to walk in forgiveness toward you, O oh God, toward ourself. And Lord, we begin to really open ourselves up to walk in forgiveness to the people around us. Help us to have hearts that are empathetic. So I bless my friends. And as they go, I pray with every step, they'd be strengthened. They would be moved into the preferred future you have for them. Let this be a week of unending grace and goodness. And thank you, God that you always have time for our brokenness. You always have time for us. God blessing on you, my friends. Amen.